The Feminist Coach Academy podcast is proudly supported by Perk Digital, helping professional and entrepreneurial women amplify their message, build their body of work, and leave a legacy through podcasts. For more information about how podcasts can help you build your brand, visit perkdigital.com.au. Welcome to the Feminist Coach Academy podcast, where inclusive feminism, business, and coaching meet. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the co-founders of the Feminist Coach Academy, Naomi Arnold and Cameron Aaron. We are feminist life and biz coaches, both passionate about helping coaches, therapists, helping professionals, practitioners, and entrepreneurs integrate a feminist lens and perspective into their businesses, life, and client practice. On this podcast, we plan to help you do so. Now let's get started. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to episode four. This is Cam, who you will mostly be hearing from on this podcast, um, though you'll be hearing from Nate sometimes as well. So today's episode is actually going to be an interview that Nate did with Sharon Holmes. And Sharon is one of our advisory board members in the Feminist Coach Academy. And Sharon is also a guest teacher who is going to be speaking on racial trauma and privilege and how you can be aware of this in your coaching practice or your healing practice um, or your therapy practice, um, whatever kind of helping professional you are, and in your business. So Sharon is a gutsy leader, an anti-oppression consultant, a coach, an artist, speaker, and writer. She's amazing. And she has a wonderful course called Unpack Your Privilege um, that we highly recommend. Sharon also started Formidable Voices, which is a global Black, Indigenous, women of color, speakers, leaders, and inclusive community centering Black, Indigenous, and women of color. And With Formidable Voices, Sharon has already hosted an in-person event in Australia, and she also has hosted online workshops around entrepreneurship and being inclusive and how to be an entrepreneur, a woman of color entrepreneur, and how business might differ um, as a woman feminist of color right? Um, So Sharon has a lot of amazing offerings and her class in the Feminist Coach Academy is coming up this month and we thought we would share in celebration and promotion of her class coming up this interview that Nay did with her a little while ago and they originally published this interview on her old podcast Dream for Others. And it, but it's still so relevant and so good. And so in this interview, it starts off with Sharon talking about um, Gutsy Girl, which is a community that she created. And she talks about that. 
And she talks about the beginnings of her business and how it all began and how um, it, it and how she started her first workshop and how she hosted her first workshop. And it's really inspiring story. Um, listening back recently, I was been I'm super inspired by Sharon. Sharon has done so many things and has been truly gutsy. Has been living up to her name, gutsy Oder. And I think you'll find it inspiring as well. Sharon also talks about spirituality and social justice. So, you know, in the personal growth and coaching world, there is some overlap with spirituality and spiritual healers and spiritual teachers. And maybe you identify as a spiritual um, activist or a spiritual healer or leader. And so Sharon's going to be talking about that. Um, I personally don't identify as a spiritual leader or anything. <laughs> um, so just so you know, it's um, this podcast is for you, whether you identify spiritual or not. Um, but for those of you who do, you will probably appreciate the segment on spirituality and social justice that Sharon has to share. But whether you identify spiritual or not, or spiritual in your business or not, Sharon has some great things to share around you know, racism and oppression and how that shows up in the spiritual world, but also in the coaching world and on in, on, on social media. And she gives some really great tips around not using culturally appropriated terms and gives examples of how this has shown up online and how it has shown up in entrepreneurship and with people's businesses and how we can start to refrain from doing that, right? And how we don't need to do that in order to sell our products and our services. So it's a really educational um, episode in terms of that as well. We think you're going to love it and we highly encourage you to join Sharon's class live this month to help you be more informed on racial trauma and on unpacking your privilege as a coach, as a leader, as an entrepreneur as a feminist, right? So it's going to be an awesome class and Sharon is an amazing teacher. We can't wait. Okay, well, here is the interview. And if you're interested in Sharon's class, go to www.feministcoachacademy.com and you will see on our website how you can join. All right, well, enjoy. Sharon, thank you for joining me. Hi, Naomi. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to get stuck into this conversation with you. Me too. I've been following your work and I'm one of your patrons and mm. I'm a big admirer of yours. I feel very lucky to have a chance to ask you lots of juicy questions. <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you. And I, I really appreciate your support. It's um, wonderful to have you as a patron. And vice versa. <laughs> I love it. So to start with, for those who don't know what you do as well as what I do, would you mind sharing with us maybe a little bit about your personal story and how you came to be doing what you do now? Okay, sure. So I started Gutsy Girl back in 2012 and the idea for that just really came through from actually doing a lot of creative stuff. So I was doing a lot of art journaling and creativity and through that process of, I guess, working on myself, doing personal development, 
I came to the question of why not me? Like why why can't I be the artist or be the creative or be the writer? And from that, the idea of Gutsy Girl came about and Gutsy Girl began initially as um, a handmade jewellery and mixed media art hobby. I sold my art and my um, handmade jewellery at handmade markets and that type of thing. I did that for a few years and after a little while I started adding to that. I I ended up by about uh, or late 2014 I decided that I wanted to create a workshop and creation of the workshop really came from a question that my husband asked me. There was a workshop I really wanted to attend the following month and things didn't align because he already had um, a training course that was on that weekend so I didn't end up going to this workshop. And so he said to me, why don't you create your own workshop? And I was like, wow, <laughs> really? Me? Create, create a workshop? Being so quiet. And, and I used to think I didn't really enjoy public speaking and I'm not sure if I still, if I even enjoy it now, but I think it's more about the passion that I have for sharing. So within the space of a week, I had created my, my workshop. Like I, I'd worked through this, obviously, through my own process, you know, what came through for me when I was making my art and when I was doing my personal development work and then I just put together something that I wanted to wanted to teach and I discussed it with my coach and she said what do you want to do because we had this list of things that I wanted to do and she said I want you to just list all the things that that you want to do and then I want you to write down when you think you will do them and then I want you to see how, which one aligns most with your core, like your core desired feelings right now. So I did that and we went through the list and it came to the question of, you know, your workshop, when do you think you'll do that? And I said three years. In three years, I'll, in three years' time, I will be ready to run my first workshop. And she said, in terms of your core desired feelings, which one of the things on your list matches that, those goal, those feelings exactly? And I'm like, the workshop and she's like you have to work on the workshop I'm like but I said that I would do that in three years <laughs> within, within a week I had booked a venue I had scheduled my first like free circle type event and within four months from from that conversation with my coach I ran my first workshop so instead of waiting three years I did it within four months time of going hey I'm doing this thing and it's been life-changing, a life-changing experience for many reasons. The first, realising that I love to teach and I love to share and I love to hold space for people and that I have a gift for storytelling because I have a lot of stories to tell. So so I went from there and um, I created uh, Women's Circles because I really felt uh, at the time there wasn't many of those events around here in Brisbane. So I started to create my own women's circles over time and by the time I pause, hit pause, I had run over 30 events by myself. After that, so that was back in 2015, I came to 2016 and I decided to put my what I'd learned and how I was creating circles into a program to teach other women how to lead circle as well and provided them with like a blueprint for how to run it what to include, and then how to create their own content, like how to write their own meditations and put their own unique flavour on on their own creation. Because to me, you can learn from someone, but it makes a difference when you put more of yourself into it because then it makes it yours and it makes it unique. So that was a core priority for me when I created that program. 
during that year, I did a youth mentor training program with Amanda Rutzi and I began teaching as a guest teacher in her team personal development course for girls, which was really, really exciting to do. I also created Gutsy Mantra Cards, which are affirmation cards that have 16 different affirmation statements to work through. And they've become really popular, particularly in use with teen girls in their circles and stuff like that. So that's been a really, I guess, a really proud moment in in creating something with my words and working with a designer to come up with a concept and then have like my first print product. And would you like me to tell you a little bit about like what the mantras mean? Because I know that there's a lot of people use mantras and affirmations and stuff, but how they were created and what the purpose of them is maybe a bit different. Yeah, sure. Okay. So when I wrote, I had like a, a list of, of affirmations that I wrote down and it was really hard to pick which ones should be in the set because I wrote way more than 16. So what I did was I sent the list of affirmations to two really close friends and I said, can you read these and just tell me your first impressions, tell me what you think. I didn't ask them any specific questions about what do you think of this one or what do you think of that one. I just wanted it to all kind of come from themselves, like, you know, how did it feel? And one friend said that some of these are really, really hard to say. These are really hard to believe right now in myself but they're fabulous and I really love them and I would really love to work on them. So that particular one was I'm beautiful in my mind, body and soul and I accept myself completely. So just by knowing that I realised it had had to be in there because it was something that we could, you know, a lot of women and a lot of girls would want to need to work towards because of the society that we live in. So there was, yeah, there was that one and there's a few others that are also a little bit challenging to really feel sometimes. So for me, it's not about say it over and over again until you believe it. It's about how can I feel that way? It's not just reading a statement. It's it's actually about having an action that follows that as well. And my other friend, she said when she read them, she burst into tears. She felt the power of them. And so for me, that's what I created. I created these empowering inspiration cards and I love them, <laughs> still love them. And still so powerful by the sounds yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I still look at them sometimes and some days I'm like, can't feel this today, but there'll be another one. I'll go, I can, I can work with that today and maybe tomorrow I'll go back to the one that feels challenging. Mm. I love that. And it's been over three years now since you met with that coach and you've done many workshops created these cards and so much more in that time when you were going to create a workshop (laughs) yeah it's it's like that once you press go there's no stop (laughs) you can pause but don't stop you've got to keep going Mm. and I could also see while you were talking there on a lot of your branding you have art activism leadership Mm -hmm. and I can see how those elements are already weaving through the stories that you're sharing and how you came to be doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So where did the activism part come in? You've touched on a lot there, art and leadership, and I think indirectly activism. Yeah. But how did that infuse in? Well, the three words combined, as I've explained, I've always been creative and, and I've started doing art for myself personally, but then creating that externally, I suppose, for others. And I guess one aspect of my personal branding more recently has been to combine 
those areas are focused together. So I use my own art in combination with my words. So for my social media graphics, I will use art that I've created and I'll put my words on that. And quite often, some of those words are about about leadership, about leading, and they're aimed at, at teaching and expanding people's ways of thinking and, and learning how to do better as well. And one of the series that I use my art a lot in is my hashtag Dear Self Styled Guru posts. So for me, art activism and leadership is about modeling conscious leadership, which embraces everything that I've learned about spirituality and social justice to deliver positive, empowering messages that challenge the way people think and make them do better and to learn. Mm, And it's all things that you're living and doing yourself. Yes, yeah. Mm. So for me, leading by example is very important. I'm a mum, so as I have um, a young daughter who looks to me for how I choose to lead and how I choose to live and it's really important no matter your challenges and obstacles to lead with heart and to lead with courage which isn't always easy <laughs> no it's not easy mm. no it's not easy it's some days are really challenging mm. but when you have people that look up to you in your life particularly young people you have a responsibility to them and you also have a responsibility to yourself Mm-hmm. Totally agree. How do you see your spiritual practice or being integrate with what it is that you do in the social justice and activism world? Well, for me personally, you can't do spirituality well or completely or authentically without seeing through the lens of social justice because there's a lot in the spiritual community about oneness and about love and light, and about staying positive and keeping the vibe high. But it's not just all about love and light and keeping the vibe high, because unfortunately we live in the world that we live in, and there's sad stuff that happens, there's trauma that happens, there's darkness, there's shadow, and that's just as equal in importance and meaning as the love and light stuff. So what happens sometimes is that People use love and light as a way of bypassing. Oh, this too shall pass. Just put some love and light on it. It'll be okay. Why aren't you being positive? Like, why aren't you being positive? So if you don't look at spirituality through a social justice lens, you are going to cause harm. You are going to probably say things you shouldn't be saying, such as racial microaggressions. Yeah. You are going to be devaluing and probably taking from people who you shouldn't be taking from or shouldn't be borrowing from. So there's really a lot, a lot there that's, there's, it's all tied together. When we live in, in Western countries, we see how ancient spiritual practices and, and practices from different cultures somehow meld into like our society mm. and Sometimes you will look around and you will not see any teachers from that particular cultural or ethnic lineage. And you really have to ask yourself whether the people who are teaching this, are they actually supporting 
people from the from the ancestry or the teaching that they are drawing from that they are commercializing and profiting from and quite often they're not no. they're not going back they're not going back to say the motherland of the teachings that they are offering out there they're not going back they're not making reparations they're not supporting they're not doing you know they're not building that relationship mm-hmm. they're not holding space for the wisdom and that they've learned from and that's really sad and it's it's come up quite a few times particularly more recently say in the last six months where it's been noticed and things have been said and done on social media where people have not been respected for what they bring into the spiritual community people are getting fed up with having their culture stolen from and unfortunately because of the love and light vibe stuff people get very defensive when they are called in or called out and are not really willing to listen and learn so the more we know and the more we start looking into these uncomfortable spaces the more we need to actually work on ourselves so that we can foster that oneness that people have used like a great big marketing ploy Mm. Because if you are not one if you are erasing or stealing from another culture. No. No, and it's arguably, uh, who am I to say what spirituality is? But in my mind, it's arguably not truly being spiritual anyway. It's a superficial surface level feel good love and light as you say level it's not a deep uncomfortable self-reflection growth connection type of work or examination yes that's right you are someone who I'm sure to great draining expense to yourself sometimes (laughs) yes (laughs) and I think is an excellent role model for what you call gutsy leadership I'd love to hear from you what being a gutsy leader means to you and what the underpinning factors might be there well gutsy leadership actually came out of creating my sacred circle program so originally the pillars of that program was called Pillars of Feminine Leadership. And last year when I was really diving deep into social justice work, I came to realise that I didn't really resonate with just the use of the word feminine when it came to leadership. So I hired a gender consultant, Cameron Aaron, and we did a session and I just wanted to kind of work out what my areas of focus were, how I could really put my personal values into my work. And from that place, gutsy leadership made sense. And I ended up updating my pillars of gutsy leadership to include my values and an expansion upon um, the explanation of what those pillars are because I wanted to make sure that if I was going to go forward with this concept of gutsy leadership, I had a really strong set of, I guess, guideposts um, that could be looked at and read and understood 
So I can share those um, with you if you like. Yeah, that would be good. There's there's a few. <laughs> so I'll just give a little summary of, of each of them. So, And these are in no particular order. These are just how I wrote them and just what came out basically. Awesome. So yeah, embrace your whole self. So this is about digging deep into the wealth of the knowledge that lies within you and being focused on your own personal liberation and knowing that your personal liberation can liberate other people. It's also about acknowledging the difficult times you have and the progress that you make through those difficult times because the shadow has a lot to teach you. So to be open to that so that you can receive the wisdom beyond what you can just see on the surface. The next one is your stories and experiences matter. So with this particular pillar, it's about being the leader of your own life, a leader in the community, a leader in business, and having the courage to step up as a leader by respecting yourself, honouring your story and your gifts, and standing in your power. It's also about sharing your story and recognising that is an act of vulnerability when you're sharing your story and it has the flow and effect of being able to encourage others to share theirs as well. The next one is inclusivity. As I mentioned before, um, spirituality and social justice, they go together. You can't, you can't really do one without the other. You can't do spirituality without social justice. Likewise with leadership, if you are not acknowledging certain matters within social justice, you can't really be that great a leader, in my opinion, and that's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. So a gutsy lead, yeah, so a gutsy leader is someone who does the work to unpack, unlearn, um, and unravel oppressive patterns, beliefs, and behaviors. And opting out is not an option. So be prepared to get very uncomfortable, be prepared to learn, be prepared to be called out, because it's a positive step to learning more about social justice and um, the role of white supremacy and patriarchy and what oppression means and how it affects people in the world. It's about not applying one single methodology to everyone because we all had a different starting point in life and we all have a different road to travel down when it comes to how quickly we can excel or how quickly we can be successful in what we're doing because we don't all have the same resources and support basically that sometimes that's a lot harder for other people to get because of privilege Mm -hmm. the next one is to give yourself permission to own your leadership so you know acknowledge that you have a lot to offer and you have what it takes to be a leader and that you can look at traditional leadership, but that does, isn't who you are and that's not how you have to be and that's changing. When you own your leadership and you give yourself permission to grow gutsy, you can be more activated and open to leading other people as well. And the next one <laughs> is to be sovereign. So you're personally responsible and accountable for each and every one of your choices and decisions, reactions, beliefs, actions and inaction. When it comes to being sovereign, you can't blame anyone for your mistakes. You've got to own your stuff and you've got to accept that 
you can't just make excuses all the time. You've just really got to be sovereign. You can't see me, but I'm nodding my head a lot here. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gutsy leadership is about impacting lives in a positive way. So you can't always get it right, but you need to keep trying to get it right. You need to keep educating yourself. You need to own your stuff and not put it on anyone else. There's two more. <laughs> the next one is your intuition is your compass. So use your intuition everyone has their own intuition you know it's your inner navigation system the more you're finely tuned to trusting your instincts your gut instinct you can make more discerning and wiser choices and decisions and if you lead yourself from this place you can help others lead from that place too, that intuitive place within themselves and the last one is oh no actually there's two more sorry yeah, don't skip any <laughs> don't, yeah. Don't rip um, us off. <laughs> <laughs> Commitment is an act of self-compassion. So it's about committing yourself fully to every lesson, every experience, every teaching moment, every teachable moment and following through. So having an ongoing commitment to yourself and to your life purpose or if you don't know what your life purpose is right now, following the trail, following the breadcrumbs, to what your life purpose might be, it, it really is a pure act of self-compassion and kindness. So you need to ask yourself whether you are committed now and identify what you need to do to make it a self-compassion, a daily practice. And the last one is real connections and building community. So it's about acknowledging that we all have something to teach and we have a lot to teach each other and to reach out to others, you know, reach out to other people and create connection, create relationships, create friendships. I think because we live in this social media age, we've lost the art of conversation and having good interpersonal skills, but we can still do that. We just have to adjust to the fact that we do that online. So, it's about not being afraid to connect with other people. Sometimes it's really scary to think about, oh, I really like what this person's doing. Oh, I don't know if I should send them a message. I'm a little bit frightened. Don't be frightened. It's great to send messages to people. I'm quite introverted, but I also really love and appreciate people that share and that teach that do really cool things. And I think about how good it feels for me when I get a lovely email or a lovely message and I just think, Spread the love. Like it's a really great way to, to open doors for yourself as well. I, I've had um, some wonderful opportunities come up just because I was brave enough to send that email or that compliment, you know, and it's not about being fake. You have to be real. This is about real connection and real building a proper community, not just, you know, doing rubbish stuff. Like it's got to be real. You have to be real. Yeah, it's so important. And you mm. have no idea sometimes how much of a huge difference that can make. We don't know what's happening in people's lives behind the scenes. And this isn't just in the online world. It's mm. in real life and the office and with families and community members and volunteers we see out there and in our local area. Like when you hear that someone's noticed what you're doing and they appreciate it, it's, it can be such a boost Mm. And I've heard that yeah. from activists before, you know, or, or just 
people in general who who they're like you have no idea but I'm just having it I've had a crap week you know I've mm-hmm. copped all of this I've been dealing with all of this and that little message <laughs> made it all worth it mm. it does doesn't it it makes all the difference uh, the timing of some messages that I've received it's just can turn your whole outlook around can turn your whole day around yeah it's yeah everyone has the power to do that everyone has the power to make a difference to someone. Yeah. And it often doesn't take very long to do. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Not at all. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so those pillars that you just read, which are so, I feel, are so aligned to this podcast and mm, the whole I philosophy. Think so. Yeah. The whole, <laughs> I think the whole philosophy underpinning it is very aligned to what you just said. And I can just see reflecting on how you show up and what you do how you role model those things and obviously because I am in this strange online world (laughs) (laughs) I see a lot of it on there on social media where you role model a lot of the things that you've said there yeah I think it's really important you can't just have like a manifesto or some like pillars or a mission statement and then not live it Mm. because people will see right through that straight away yeah straight away exactly you can't hide (laughs) yeah you've got to live it and they're also aspirational right like they're yeah absolutely things that you aren't always doing perfectly but are Mm. endeavoring to do yeah that's right and it's and it's great to have a reminder so it's I would suggest that anyone who maybe doesn't currently have a little list together of their ethos or their pillars or whatever you would like to call them just to write them down and then you have a reference point Mm -hmm. sometimes when you kind of get a little bit lost you can go that's right this is who I am and this is what I'm working on and this is the direction that I'm taking so you always have some way some something that you have created that you believe in that you can turn to and go that's right Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm back on track now you've inspired me to go back and look at mine they're not feeling Mm. gutsy enough right now (laughs) 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 I haven't looked well in truth I haven't looked at them for a while so I'm feeling really energized to go and and have a look at them and whether they feel current or need to evolve a little Hmm. oh that's great (laughs) thank you so how do you, you are very vocal about, about these things on social media. And I know that more than I would like, <laughs> receive some not so pleasant responses mm. um, to what yeah. you post. How do you manage that? How do you take care of yourself? And, and how do you still keep doing what you're doing when you're getting these, these jabs and, and horrible things said? I've really changed in this regard over the last probably six months or so. Um, I have really strong boundaries now and I get to test them out on a daily basis, so it seems. (laughs) Thanks for that. Um, So I know how strong they are. So for me, um, I block and ban with glee and I also unfriend people. I have unfriended family members who have said harmful racist things. I have unfriended um, people who I thought were friends, who I thought knew better. 
but even after providing education and providing historical facts, they still decide to continue to use problematic words or do and say problematic things. Sometimes I receive email or messages via the contact page on my website in response to some posts that I've written on Instagram where I've been very vocal. But I don't, I sometimes just skim read these or I don't read them at all. And the reason for that is if they aren't willing to take on board and learn and instead play devil's advocate, they don't deserve my time after the fact. I'm not going to read what they have to say because I provide a lot of information and I also usually share resources and links, but I also talk to people who know what they're doing and who know you know, deeply about this, this type of thing. And I'll give an example, actually, because I've written about it, I think, four or five times since December last year. I actually did a little bit of a hunt around today, actually, because um, something happened uh, the other day and I wanted to touch on it. Um, and I, before I actually say this word, I just want to say that I don't like this word and when I type it, I don't actually spell it out. I put an asterisk in there because I have read and learned and asked and it's a slur. So the word I'm talking about is gypsy. And I've written about that quite a few times, as I said, and I did my research. I have a friend who is a genocide scholar. She co-wrote a paper that was about the Roma people who were persecuted and who were executed during the Holocaust in great numbers, over a million people, actually. So for me, I have no lineage. I don't have, far as I'm aware, I do not have Roma in my lineage. But I'm a person, I'm a human being, and it just makes me so mad that when someone knows those facts about a culture, about an ethnic group, they insist on using the word anyway and using the excuse of, well, there's common usage now because everyone's using it from nail polish brands to clothing brands to lots of things. And to that I say, bullshit. Don't do that. Um, it makes me so mad that people insist on erasing or ignoring the fact that a group of people were killed. <laughs> we see this all the time. It's not just Roma. It's, it's other um, ethnic groups as well. So it just... It, yeah, uh, sometimes I'm not. I don't even know why I'm lost for words because I always have a lot of words about this. I'm just really angry about how people choose to be ignorant and choose to bypass. Yeah, and especially those who you have and inf you've informed, you've told them, <laughs> you've informed them, and they're still arguing back. Mm with things like you've just said that it's how it's used nowadays or, or whatnot. Mm. And a lot of the time there are words that capture what it is they're trying to say. There are lots of other words. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I provided a whole suggested list of words in one instance. This instance was last week. And in the end the person decided that they would use the word anyway 
and they privately notified their newsletter list, but publicly they didn't say anything. Mm. And instead they deleted that whole thread. They deleted the whole thread where I had made multiple comments and multiple suggestions, alternatives that, that could be used, and was given, yes, 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 that's, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that, I'll, I'll change things, and then I find out that that wasn't the case. They apologised to me for harm they caused when I came to the fact that I decided to unfriend them and not have a conversation about it. And then they were all disappointed and confused and felt entitled, like they felt entitled that I should actually explain to them when I'd already provided explanations. Mm. So apparently I was the lone person who actually had something to say about it. You were the gutsy leader. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Yeah, Um, you were the one that that spoke up and said something. Yeah, and what this experience taught me was that to look ever closer and be super discerning because this person was actually someone that I would have regarded as a friend, someone who I respected and someone who I really liked and someone who I was actually going to work with and would have recommended to lots of other people. So for me, I don't have to be personally offended or affected by a racial slur. Mm. I can still stand up and speak out and say, that is wrong, do better, change, learn. Mm -hmm. And if someone doesn't do better and doesn't change and doesn't learn, then I have a right to enforce my boundary. That's what being sovereign is about. It's going, okay, if that's how it's going to be, then I can't make excuses on your behalf. I can't go, but she's a nice person or, but she has a good sense of humour, but we had coffee that time. I can't make excuses for people. Oh, but they bought something for me and they supported me. No, Mm -hmm. there is no excuse that would satisfy. I, I I would feel super uncomfortable. I would not be in integrity if I continued. And this experience has just taught me I need to do some more culling. Mm. I don't have time for for messing about. I don't have time for this because I've created a resource that people can refer to and learn and do better. So there's no excuse. There's, oh, I didn't know. It's like, well, you did. You just chose to be ignorant. Even if you don't, you do now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's right. Something I've had to really work on is, putting boundaries around how much time I I do work or I, I do spend, you mm. know, responding to things on social media or yep. that I do spend in everything else, <laughs> in reading all the articles and and everything else. So that there is time for me to actually sit with myself and and actually notice what's happening in my body in time to do something about it. Mm. I've been caught out so many times in my life where I've had to spend weeks in bed because I'm sick or exhausted or anemic, um, Mm. which I could have done something about earlier if I had paid attention. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really hard because we live in a society where it's all about production, being productive, doing stuff, hustling, particularly with the online business world, hustle, 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 hustle. Mm. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really. I don't believe. I don't believe in that. I tried that. I did that for a long time, and it didn't work out well. I was working 
trying to build my business just as many hours as I was working my corporate day job Hmm. and still being a mum and being a wife and well, I didn't keep a tidy house, okay? To be honest, I didn't keep a tidy house. I'm not Wonder Woman, okay? So, like, that did not happen. So the way that I work with production and and taking care of myself is I honour my cycle. So my energy depends on my menstrual cycle, basically. And for me, and I've been tracking this for myself for about four years now, four or five years, I have just clear times during the month where I'm really productive and I can smash through stuff that needs to be done, stuff that I usually don't like. And then I have a time where I'm super creative and I do a lot of writing, I do a lot of creating. And then I have, you know, a week or so of the month, you know, usually moon time where my brain is fuzzy, I just want to eat good food, I don't want to think, I don't want to create, I'm, I'm not going to create anything good if I try. If I try and force myself, then it's going to be crappy mm-hmm. and I'll be mad at myself and I just won't get the rest that I so need at that time. So for me, it's about honouring my own natural rhythms and working with that rather than working with a calendar yeah. or a blog schedule or some other system that for me, my personality type does not do systems and schedules. I've tried. I've tried. It doesn't work for me. That's where we differ. <laughs> yeah. You've got yeah. to do what works for you. Yeah, and, exactly. and sometimes that takes a bit of exploration. I mean, I tried for a few years to do the schedule thing, but it just made me mad. I'm too creative for that stuff. I just need to, I just need to be free and make a mess yeah. and just, yeah, just honour the ebb and flow of, what I need and how I feel and yeah. stuff like that. And the output is way better when I know, hey, I've got like, you know, 10 days of the month, say, for example, that I can do some really good stuff. And yeah. that's when I'm really in tune with my intuition and I'm feeling really creative and stuff just comes so easily at that time. And then in the downtime, the rest time, I can just allow that little idea to brew and percolate and then when I'm back to my creative self, I can look at it again and go, hey, so let's see what I can do with this now. So just it's like, yeah, you not everything has to be like on the go all the time and you don't have to be on the go on the, all the time either. And you can't. You can't because you burn out. That's why people burn out because yeah. you try and do the go, go, go. And that doesn't work. So yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. another it's another thing to dismantle and you yeah. dismantle trying to be productive. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, you know, it works with people who don't have a menstrual cycle too, mm, kind of getting absolutely. in tune with those rhythms. Yeah, and, your moods, mm, your emotions, mm, you know, like what you crave, what you don't crave right now, who mm, you want to see. Like it's it's about it's about so many other things. It's just about, to me, natural rhythms is just how do I feel right now? What's my energy? Mm. What you know, it's that it's for me. But for me, I can distinctly see how it aligns with my menstrual cycle. But mm. really, it's just how do you feel right now? Yeah. And obviously, I'm a feeling person, so that works. That works for me, and that's how I explain it, and that's how I relate to it. But really, it's just kind of going, do I want to do this now? Because what people often find is when they go, oh, I don't really want to do this, and they try and do it, it doesn't work out, or they get frustrated and. Um, we could all do with a lot less frustration like that 
we, if we can avoid frustration, we should. Mm. I love that. And I love how it's a point of difference with us because, <laughs> because yeah, with me, yeah. I like systems and structure. They give me the space and the freedom to mm. be creative and productive, but also able to tune into my body like I, I have systems and structures but then at the same time I very easily throw them out the window too when I do tune in and go uh no mm. I don't want to and do that yeah um, and and, yeah. and that's important to mm. sort of go I don't always need to do it in a systematic way I can mm. just do it by feel yeah so I love that like it's we're all so different in how we work and tuning into what that is and into the rhythms of it because the ebb and flow and, and the waves, they come and go for all of us um, in mm. different ways. So if we can find out how to work with that, it can really support our our work, but our activism and how we want to show up and make a difference and exactly. ourselves. Yeah, because mm. yeah. some weeks I'm really, really active with doing my activist work and sometimes I'm not, but try, usually during the time when I'm most active, I try and create so that I have stuff batched for put out out into the world a bit later when I'm not feeling awesome yeah I'm still doing the work every day Mm. in some way shape or form even if I don't show up online with some message or some share or some teaching the work is continuous well arguably you're still doing it even when you're in bed watching Netflix (laughs) it all comes together doesn't it yeah (laughs) yeah because because I think about justice a lot when I watch Supernatural. Yes, I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> I, you I'll include some links in reference. the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Supernatural. <laughs> I, I knew I was going to try and sneak that in somehow. <laughs> Good work. High five. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Feminist Coach Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would leave us a review on iTunes or your platform of choice and share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook under the username and hashtag Feminist Coach Academy. And finally, head on over to www.feministcoachacademy.com to access our podcast show notes as well as our feminist classes and free resources. We would love to continue being in community with you.